Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. I have Chris Kaufman here with me. Simon Clancy was coming into the show, but he was on a train headed to London, and he was getting home way too late. We're recording late, so he wasn't able to be here. And he was also feeling a little bit under the weather. And speaking of feeling a bit under the weather, Chris Coffin is coming down with something as well. So I guess I'm the only one who's healthy around here. Yeah, I'm just going to let you speak the whole time. Yeah, I'm just going to talk, you know, one giant run-on sentence about Troy uh, Pride or something like that from Notre Dame. Who cut my eye, by the way? But... Before a whole get- pod, a whole podcast. It's like one run-on sentence. That's yeah, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, so this will be the Troy Pride Junior podcast. Okay, we're just going to talk about him today, but we will preview the Senior Bowl and we will talk about what we learned this weekend from these championship games. We will also talk about the coaching staff. It's finalized, you know, some new faces, mm-hmm. some guys elevated. But before that. Let me tell you about BetDSI. They've been with us since the beginning, since the inception. And look, I wouldn't push them if I didn't use them. I've bet with them. I've cashed out with them. I've lost with them. I've won with them. I've gotten very good lines from them. And I also, last week, I spent an entire week staring at that under of one and a half rounds in the Conor McGregor fight. And I didn't bet it like an idiot. Okay? So... Now I'm staring at Kansas City as a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and I'm wondering why I won't take that. I guess it's just fear of that San Francisco 49ers team who looks absolutely devastating. But you can bet the big game on BetDSI. The lines right now, Kansas City, like I said, one-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 54-and-a-half. Use the promo code YARDS101. That's YARDS101, and you get a match bonus on your first deposit. Trust me, use them. That's BetDSI. Dot com. All right, Chris, I already talked about it, but you saw those championship games this weekend. What did we learn? I didn't learn a, a damn thing, to be honest with you. Uh, what did you learn? I learned that San Francisco is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and Throwing that, uh, it eight times in an NFC yeah. championship game against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and that Kansas City is really good. <laughs> Kansas City is uh, devastating because of that passing game. And every once in a while, they find a running game. And I said, I famously said on Twitter, because some people took a, a issue with what I said, comparing them to the 1984 Dolphins. First of all, the 1984 Dolphins were the all-time best offense 
at that point, uh, up to that point. Nobody has scored more mm. points than the 1984 Dolphins, okay? The 1984 Dolphins, very famously, could only do one thing and one thing well, and that was throw the ball. I compared this Chiefs team to those 1984 Dolphins. Now, I don't, that's not an insult. The 1984 Dolphins were 14-2 and and lost in the Super Bowl to a 15-1 and San Francisco 49ers team. It was Marino's second year. Is this starting to sound a little bit familiar? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that the teams are kind of similar. Uh, Chiefs don't stop the run. That Dolphin team couldn't stop the run. Chiefs are not particularly great at running it. They're bottom 10. But they're great at throwing it, and they could get after the quarterback. And that could be enough in today's NFL. So how do you see it? This is just, you know, preliminary. We'll preview the Super Bowl next week. But, like, what else did you learn this week, like, as far as building a team going forward, Chris? I think they they actually are just really good. And and when I look across the, the defense, and I know that the, the Kansas City defense is up and down, but the thing is that they have players. I mean, yes, they <laughs> you do. look everywhere. I mean, they've got guys up front, and they've got um, they've got guys in the secondary. They you know they they have playmakers. Um, he somehow dug up Terrell Suggs to rush a couple of downs and and got two pressures. <laughs> yeah, I mean on Sunday. Yeah, some of the Doug you know came up with a Terrell Suggs out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, seriously, they they have they have good players on the defense and Terrell. And Matthew is, is a good player. Chris Jones, when he plays, is, is you know an amazing player. Um, they can get things done on on defense, or at least enough to uh, to take it over, you know, offensively. And then and then when they do that, they start playing ahead, and you know, plays right into their hands. I think they're I think they're a good team. Um, I I know people want to, and I hear what you're saying that they they mainly just pass the ball really well. And that's what everybody wants to think, but um, I don't know. They're 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 a really good team, led by the best quarterback in the league right now. Yep, the guy who's playing the best certainly. Um, and then you know that passing game is is very very hard to stop. So um, I, yeah, I think I think really it's you want to just say okay, well it's just a passing game. You got to contain that passing game, but but the way, you, but how? <laughs> you know the, the there's there's a, a pretty important missing step there because um you know you can't do that unless unless the you're able to penetrate the offensive line and get after Pat Mahomes you know a lot and that's they got a pretty damn good offensive line uh when I when I'm watching them play um and and it helps Pat Mahomes kind of stay in rhythm and um and be able to figure out the defense's approach and once he figures out the defense's approach you're like you're dead in the water i mean that's that's the way it is um that's the way they they hit you and that's what they did to tennessee i mean you could see it during the game i think um what's his name um tony roma pointed out several times he's like okay we're about a quarter in and pat mahomes just kind of figured out what they're doing defensively and mm-hmm. and now they can't stop him you know he's he's hitting them on the edges now, and he he knows he knows what to do. He's getting in rhythm, and uh, and once you figure it out and you start hitting them up, you know of course the defense is going to adjust. But from that point on, you kind of got a beat on them. So as they adjust, you're you're kind of able to 
adjust with them and, and continue, continue hitting them. And cause you've got a rhythm now. And, yeah. um, it's really hard. It's really hard to knock that off if, if they get into it and it's really hard for them not to get into it. You know, if they've got pretty good blocking up front and, and able to allow Patrick Mahomes to, to see that very clearly and to get it all, all started. Yeah. And what I see, uh, I've seen enough of Patrick Mahomes for, for two seasons to know, you just can't play zone against him. He recognizes mm. it rather quickly and dissects it consistently, and the numbers seem to show it. Uh, I think uh, I saw the the numbers over the weekend, and it was he has a career one fifteen passer rating against zone, and against man, it's a little bit uh, slightly below ninety. Now, of course, he has touchdowns all over the place against both, but mm. but I'll take you know I'll take the other one you know. Uh, yeah, but what do they what do they run like uh, against man? You know, what do they when because that's that's where they hit you. you. You go man, and they can they can start they can start hitting those edges on you. And yeah, and start, especially especially with the sort of um, the sort of wide receivers and guys that they have that they yeah, can uh, take sweeps and absolutely. Stuff like you got to be on your toes when you play Kansas City because they'll hit you from everywhere. Uh, everybody's. You know, everybody can run on that team. And then you have Kelsey who can stretch stretch your defense up the middle. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sammy Watkins out of nowhere, you know, you, you he, like who are you going to really pay attention to? Are you, are mm-hmm. you going to run the safety down and under to try to keep Tyreek Hill from the middle of the field and running all over your defense? Then you might leave your other corner exposed on a go route against Sammy Watkins, who mm-hmm. has made a career of running nine routes. So, yeah, they look overwhelming. But on the flip side, San Francisco, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it's well, it's it's Gary? it's that it's that offensive line that I mentioned. The Chiefs, they're going to have a nice test here. Absolutely, <laughs> because this is this is the defensive front that could potentially get pressure on them. What's a, it is interesting that Kansas City decided that D Ford wasn't good enough. They went in and they got Frank Clark, and now D Ford is on the opposing team and is going to yeah. be chasing around Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it's it's going to be a great Super Bowl because of the the contrast. And mm-hmm. good lord, we got saved <laughs> a Tannehill versus oh Garoppolo <laughs> Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah, Jesus. No, wow, that yeah. kind of would have been a snoozer, wouldn't it? Yeah, but San Francisco running it up and down the field on, on Green Bay and only throwing it eight times. And out of those eight times, almost threw two picks, by the way, Jimmy G. Yeah. That was insane. And the game was never close. The, the game was not competitive. And Green Bay really looked like they didn't belong. I said on the podcast last week that it's pretty hard to reverse 37 to 8, but I did see them doing it. Nope. And I, th- I thought it was going to happen because of the, the quarterback matchup. I thought Aaron Rodgers – was so much better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And he still mm-hmm. is, by the way. But it doesn't seem to matter. You know, it doesn't matter when you're running at ten for 10 yards per carry, okay? Well, that's that's the other offensive line, right? I mean, that, yeah. in, that, in that Shanahan approach. I mean, Ben Garland is an interesting uh, center, too, um, for that game that they played against the Packers. Um because he's he's getting a little long in the tooth now, but he's always been he's always been sort of a backup and part-time player but when you watch him his strength 
is in run blocking. Like he is, he's one of the more unique run blockers that I've ever seen um, as an offensive lineman. I don't say that lightly. He's um, he's just he's just extremely and exquisitely mobile, and um, and you know can really run out to blocks and and has just a unique way of going about it. Um, and and but he's he's been in the past anyway. Uh, he's been. He's been really shit as a pass blocker. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it, it really, I think that, you know, kind of at the risk of taking something trivial um, and making it bigger than it is, but it, it almost personifies their offensive approach um, because Ben Garland does, because if you do get them in that situation where, you know, say Kansas City opens it up in the second quarter the way they've done in a couple of games now in the playoffs. And and now San Francisco really has to play from behind mm-hmm. and, and try and uh, catch up. And maybe the run game starts to get a little bit less um, relevant uh, as you get down into the game. The, things could be bad. Things could – they could really start to get in trouble. I wonder if they're built – I wonder if the offensive line is built to handle that. Mm-hmm. And um and I wonder if uh well, I wonder if the quarterback and, and receivers are built to handle that as well. Um so that's that's where things could get interesting. It's so the San Francisco defense really does have to hold up. Yeah. And and prevent the onslaught. Because if the onslaught comes and you let the game get into Kansas City's rhythm, then uh, San Francisco's built oppositely, and they're gonna they're gonna struggle. Um, yeah, they so, want to take the air out of the football. And interesting yeah. enough, uh, the Forty ers average more points than Kansas City, but it's how they get their points. You know, they yeah. they like to they like oh, to yeah. jump you from the gun, mm. and when they jump you, and they're up a couple of touchdowns, you start throwing it against that defense. You start fumbling. You start giving short fields. And yep. short fields turn into points in this league. So, you know, well, we're going to get a lot. And, you know, we're going to get into that game pretty heavy next week. But mm-hmm. the Dolphins seem to have finalized their coaching staff. If you have a rundown, you could give it to our listeners, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's everything that we've talked about already. Um, so, the Dolphins have gone ahead and promoted Josh Boyer. Um, he's going to be taking over a defensive coordinator. We asked this question before, by the way. Um, why hadn't they announced anything? Why hadn't why hadn't anything with Chan Gailey actually become official? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess the answer to that question is because they were waiting for basically everything to happen, mm-hmm. and then and then they would go ahead and and announce it all instead of. Um, instead of just doing a piecemeal. So they promoted Josh Boyer to defense coordinator. They hired Chan Gailey as the offensive coordinator. Um, uh, is, why do I keep wanting to say his name is Robbie White? It's Robbie Brown, right? Is that? Yeah, um, Robbie Brown. Yeah, well, Robbie Brown is the, um, is the quarterback's coach. And under Chan Gailey, uh, Austin Clark as the outside linebacker's coach. We got pulled him away from Illinois. Uh, and uh, Kirk... Kuntz, I'm going to call him Kuntz this time, yeah, Kuntz. Um, is the assistant defensive backs coach, and Steve Marshall is the offensive line coach. And, uh, you, again, it's 
stuff that was already rumored and reported on, um, but it's official. But as we take a step back and look at it, the two things I note is one, I already talked about last week. I went on a, like a three minute ramble about, um, you know, how they're really going swinging to the extreme end of the whole teaching side mm-hmm. of the coaching staff. When I see Kurt Kuntz coming over as a high school coach, you know, what are high school coaches, but teachers, I mean, they're yeah. teaching literally. And this, teaching is a one, 15, this is a 180 degree turn from the Gase administration. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, um, and, but even, even like from a, a, a bit of a turn from a Chad O'Shea and, um, you know, New England style offensive standpoint. Um, but Kirk Kuntz, high school coach, what do they accept teachers? They teach 15 and 16 year olds how to actually play football. Um, yes. and, if you look at Austin Clark, I th- I think the main feather in his cap really is what he did for Illinois, what it, particularly with the um, sort of the broken fo- five-star uh, prospect, Olawale Bedeku, who um, who was a failure out of USC and he transferred in, and Austin Clark really coached the hell out of him individually, mm-hmm. you know, taught him a lot of things, and um, and got him turned him into the, one of the best pass rushers in college football this year. Uh, Robbie Brown comes over from West Virginia, um, in another college coach. I mean, if I'm thinking, if I'm pulling guys from college and high school, then there's two teaching aspects to this. There's one, um, I think about it like in my business or in, in the business I'm involved in when we hire, you know, young analysts in particular, we're teaching them how we do things, right? So yes. you're pulling a high school guy, you're pulling a college guy up to the NFL. There's a teaching, you're teaching these guys how you do things and you're figuring that they're moldable and, you know, can become part of your system that way. Yeah. And st- whereas, as opposed to teaching the old dogs, new tricks. Um, yeah, and then the other thing. There, yeah. There's always the right way, the wrong way. And then my mm-hmm. way, which I've been doing for years and has worked for me for years. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. So, you, and I, I, we have experience in real, in real life with that sort of thing. I mean, that's, you hire young um, in, in order to kind of teach them the way that you and your business do things. Uh, but the other aspect of it is these guys are coaching college kids and high school, and even in one case, high school kids, they're used to teaching themselves. So, um, so I think that that's, and that when Brian Flores did his big, you know, explanation uh, Q and a with the press, I think today he did it. Um, you know, he emphasized the teaching thing over and over again. And I think, you know, I think we called it last week. That's, that's what this is. But the other thing that stands out to me and, I, and that makes me less comfortable is this is clearly who do you know and who do you trust? Right. Of course. <laughs> I'm, right. I mean, this is, and that, that always makes me uncomfortable. I don't know how you feel about it. I know it's fact of life in the NFL, uh, in, including in some of the best. Everywhere, fr- really. Like, well, right. That's no, that's very true. Um, you know, but you including of, some of the best it, franchises. Yeah. Who's doing this podcast? It's three of us that have known each other for 20 years. Sure. And, <laughs> you know, and, and how did, how did we get on? How did we end up? getting together with Ethan. Well, because we, you know, I know Ethan and yes. <laughs> we, we know Ethan and yes. you know, you know, Ethan, you worked with it. You know, so, um, yeah, I, I get, I get that. And I get that it's, it's ubiquitous across the NFL landscape to be hiring guys that you've worked with before and, and stuff like that. But it's just, it's just not the way I'd prefer to do things. I would really prefer to go out and, and 
try and find the most qualified guys, not just the guy that, I mean, hell, Brian Flores is explaining it. And it's like talking about, well, how do you know Kurt Kuntz or how do you know Austin Clark or something like that? And he's like, well, you know, you never know where, where I might um, know one of these guys from, you know, <laughs> bump into yeah. him here or there, you know, might be the supermarket and he starts up. So I'm like, great. So you run into Brian Flores at the supermarket one day and then the next day you're, you're a fucking coach on the Dolphins. Okay. Um, that, that doesn't make me feel great. Um, but at the same time, I, I recognize that even some of the best franchises out there do this. Uh, clearly what they did, uh, I think loud, loud, th- or, you know, um, loud throated, uh, uh, recommendations from Ryan Fitzpatrick affected them with respect mm-hmm. to Chan Gailey. And then once they're handing the keys to Chan Gailey, they're like, go fill out your staff. Right. And he goes and fills out his staff with Robbie Bowden who played quarterback for him at Georgia tech. And Steve Marshall, who coached offensive line for him at his last stop with the New York Jets. Carl Durrell, of course, is the wide receiver coach already at the Dolphins and um, and was the wide receiver coach for the Jets under Chan Gailey when he was the offensive coordinator then. So I mean, it's really just getting the band back together, and it doesn't appeal to me. But at least if there's one saving grace, I will say this. Chad O'Shea. Jerry Shaplinski, Dave DeGuglielmo, and Patrick Graham, really, on the on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys were who-do-you-know-who-do-you-trust guys that were hired last <laughs> last year. Yeah, and they got blown the hell out of here. They got blown the hell out <laughs> yeah. within, you know, within a year, and that's real. And that's, like you know, like at the end of the day, Brian Flores did an evaluation. He's like, I don't need to block this guy. Uh, I can let him – let him go wherever he wants. Um, and this guy I'm going to fire. These two guys I'm going to fire. And uh, even though he brought them in as guys that he knew. You yeah, know, and from there's his always, last- yeah, and there's always hindsight on a lot of these things. Uh, Patrick Graham, I think I spoke about this on, on a previous podcast. Patrick Graham is a pretty loud voice in practice. There's yeah. always one louder on the defensive side. And I don't think that, that works for a guy like Patrick Graham. And he kind of made a lateral move. You know, if you know, I understand he got a, a promotion as far as title. And right. Probably, I mean, I I, I figure Miami probably bit, could have yeah. filed a grievance of some sort or tried tried to you know fight that one. Um, they didn't. They didn't seem inclined. Right. He probably got a little bit more money. You know, and then the title. You know, the title. Yeah. I guess is it looks nice on a business card, but you know, you could tell that that was not going to be for long. Unless, mm-hmm. you know, they, they had just had wild success, you know, made the playoffs and well, won a couple of games. I don't know. I mean, the, these guys knew each other. They worked together. Um, yeah. I thought I thought it could have, you know, could have gone. I'm, it's like I said last week, you know, after the season was done, if we all would have polled each other and been like, how do you feel about Chad O'Shea? How do you feel about Patrick Graham as coordinators for this team? You'd be like, yeah, I think they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um so you would have felt good about it, but now they're out. Chan Gailey is in. Uh, Brian Flores described him as, you know, yeah, he's done a lot of spread, um, and but he's also you know power run game, and really he just uh, molds his approach according to what he's got, which we all you know we all think sounds nice, but every team says that too. Yeah, one, um, thing, one thing is going to be for sure. It's going to be it's going to be very hard for these guys to screw up assignments because it's it's pretty simple. You know, it's 
uh, his run, at least his run game, his uh, Chan Gailey, what he ran at least his last year in New York is pretty simple to learn. It's boilerplate stuff in the NFL. Every team mm-hmm. runs it and he seems to run it exclusively. So it's always a good thing. And there's been great running games built on four or five plays. You know, the last, uh, the last time you saw it really, really successful was with the Rams. They had an MVP candidate in Todd Gurley running essentially four plays the entire game out of the same personnel grouping. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's nothing to be like, oh, my God, now we're simplifying things because these guys can get it. Uh, one thing I, I guess I'll take solace in and, and I'm ha- kind of happy about uh, with the previous regime, I famously said on this podcast that I spoke to a coach, and I've revealed since then who that coach was, who told me that he didn't want necessarily to teach anything to anybody, and that certain guys don't get it, and they should get it by, by now because they're pros. They've already played football for the better part of eight years. Some have played football for 10 years if they played before, you know, junior high. So he, want, he wanted set and forget players. Okay, right. which is a very famous uh, quote by Ron Popeil, the guy, the original, uh, uh, the original, remember, uh, uh, what, what do you call it, the QVC king? Remember, he used to have the, the rotisserie chicken things, that he, and he used to say, set it and forget it. Well, this guy said he wanted set and forget players. He didn't necessarily want to teach anybody anything. And if yep. they didn't get it, they're just too dumb to, to I guess, play in his system. Well, and now different he's in now. New York. Yes. Now he gets to set and forget in New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's different around here now. Now yeah, they are going to yeah. teach. 100, like you said, 180 degree opposite. Um, and and I, I get that every single coaching staff would and every single fan base likes to think that their team has a, a staff full of teachers, you know, guys that teach the game. And they yeah. all say that they want that. But I think that when you were when you're actually hiring, say like you know a high school coach and mm-hmm. college coaches and stuff like, and guys that whose whose primary qualification seems to be, you know, a real hands-on experience teaching a kid that, you know, a five-star kid that didn't know anything about the sport. Um, that I, I think that there's a difference between the talk and the walk there. So I I yeah I think they're on the extreme end of this. Um, and the flip side of the argument would be like, hey, are they going to be able to tinker and, and come up with great game plans and stuff like that? Or are they better teachers than they are schemers and stuff like that? Well, we'll see. I mean, it, it'll all come out. It'll all come out um, when it comes out, and we'll see how they do. But uh, one thing to, to bring up, though, is that we officially found out that Jim Caldwell is no more here in Miami. Uh, yes. And I thought that was interesting because that was a Brian Flores hire. Um, he had the relationship with Jim Caldwell and and brought him in. And Caldwell is supposedly healthy and wants to coach and wants to be involved with an NFL team. But he's um, he's not going to be with the Dolphins. So I'd I'd love to be a fly on the wall and know you know what really what really is the thought process all the way around there, yeah. whether it's just like two old heads like Caldwell and Gailey just shouldn't be expected to get along or what. Yeah. But, I have no, um, I have no information whatsoever on this, but uh, you could follow the reports and Caldwell had said that he wanted to call plays for a team that he wasn't, he was open yeah. to being an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So sometimes like, and I, but he's not getting hired as one. Right yeah. Now. 
and and I like to say that two plus two usually equals four. So I'm certain, and I you know I'm I guess you can't be certain, but I think it would be a good bet that had Brian Flores told Jim Caldwell, "Hey, you're calling all the plays, fill out your offensive staff." He'd still he'd still be here. Yeah, but I don't think that was the case. I think yeah, you know he was he was offered another role, and that wasn't what he had in mind. Well, Chris, our, our favorite season is coming around, and it's silly season because there's all yeah. kinds of reports. But the Senior Bowl is this weekend, and the practices kicked off today. And we saw some interesting things. First of all, uh, Justin Herbert said that he's not an introvert. Then did a uh, – It's an such an introvert with, thing to say. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then did an interview with uh, NFL Network, and uh, this guy should have his own talk show, uh, late-night talk show. He was funny. He was gregarious. Smiled, big smile. He had the the wild bushy hair. Uh, he came in fun. a little he bit. He had blind. five hour energy going for him, I think. Yeah, yeah. He was, you know, he, you know, he looked great. And on the other side, you know, and we're talking about the two prospects that kind of fit in where the Dolphins will be picking. Jordan Love, polished guy, can handle Very. media. You know, very speak, polished. Speaks clearly answers questions clearly and yeah i think he's even a little bit better and don't it's a good thing simon's not on um i think he's even a little bit better with the media than tua is um because i think i think that and what i notice is uh jordan love he kind of organizes his thoughts a little bit more straightforward and um and then lays them out whereas tua Especially lately, with some of the, and and given he's been he's been run through the ringer, <laughs> I mean literally had his his hip cracked open and and all these things happened to him and then have to make these big decisions about his life and stuff like that. But he, he's come off pretty nervous and he does have that habit of saying you know about fifty thousand million times. Um, and yeah. I think that Jordan Love is actually just a little bit better right now uh not that it means anything and it means absolutely nothing but um it's interesting uh i think that i think that jordan love is actually a good uh very intelligent prospect i think people get people mistake his interceptions or something like that like oh he must not be good on the board and stuff like no he's actually excellent with that stuff he made he made mistakes this season but if you if you know the background and you know how the offense changed and and all the turnover that happened around him and you watch the games instead of looking at the box scores, then you kind of understand where those interceptions actually came from and what the, what happened to feed into it. And I think it's going to be interesting to see him throughout the week, the senior bowl week of practices. Um, He's going to have, he was always destined to have possibly, you know, the, the first day or two be maybe a little bit rocky, but keep getting, getting better through the week. Cause this is a definitely a totally new stage for him. Whereas Justin Herbert, I think coming from Oregon is maybe used to this stage a little bit more. Yeah. And you know, if you look at this, this senior bowl squad, that South team, especially, and you know oh, a lot about a couple of these defensive guys front that I'm, yeah, that I'm going to bring up right here. And I think it's safe to – I think we can guarantee that 18th pick, if they hold on to it, could come off of this team because that South team, you know, once we, once you get past, you know, the corner and Christian Fulton, a guy that I really like, Marlon Davidson, 
I know it's only the first day, and I know he played against – you know, he played right next to an all-world defensive tackle, but that was noticeable, and he played all oh, yeah. along the defensive line. And the other guy who was just killing people today was Javon Kenlaw. Uh, what do you know about these two guys, and can you enlighten our listeners who are probably hearing these names for the first time? Yeah, Kenlaw is – Actually, he's been, and I, I've talked about him before, he's been my favorite defensive uh, tackle in the draft, um, even over Derek Brown. And mm. Simon and I have a little bit of a disagreement about that one. But He has a Daryl Gardner look. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, I, I think of him a little bit more Chris Jones-ish. But, um, okay. but yeah, he does. I mean, he's he's very tall. Um, six, he's over six foot five, extremely that's long. That's not an insult, by the way, guys. Uh, Daryl Gardner was not a bust. Oh, no, no. He, he, he was a God. He was a Roman yes. God. He was built like, you know, him and Tim Bowen. Yeah. Give yeah. me that again. Give me that right. for 10 years again. Right. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that Javon Kinlaw is, is more of a Chris Jones ish in, in terms of function okay. and how he's going to play in the NFL. Um, or sort of a Fletcher Cox or somebody like that. Um, he is—he is a monster. He is an watch him play. He is an absolute destructive force. Yes. And the way that he's built and the way that he moves is unfair. I think that if if there's one or Damian reason, Lewis, I, by the way, uh, I don't know if you saw the oh, the drills. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, and, and he got the best. He got the best of John Simpson, who's a very good guard and and also yes. huge. And like yeah, you know, you the big and powerful. Yeah. John Simpson's going to be a great NFL lineman. Don't don't make you know don't mistake it. Um, but yeah, and, and today's one on ones, and I think Kinlaw even said that he had this, he had this pegged like his. He wanted to he wanted to face Simpson like that was the guy that he wanted to face, mm-hmm. and um and he did he he took him he took him to the cleaners once or twice today and that's that's just kinlaw that's that's how talented he is he's he's very tall he's lengthy he's explosive um very quick off the ball uses his hands really well powerful he's got the full package and if if there's one reason that i put him a little bit above Derek brown of auburn it's that uh Derek brown kind of has looked to me as of more of a of more of a straight up, like almost threatening to be the two down guy mm-hmm. uh, as a defensive tackle. I don't think he's really going to end up being. I think team's going to give him every chance to be all three downs. But but he's he's more of the Tim Bowens ish kind of guy. Yeah. Um. And whereas the NFL is trending toward the Javon Kinlaw, that's that's going to be out there any of the downs and can destroy you run or pass um and and especially pass yeah so it's interesting but you know what i was listening to thomas dimitrov uh give an interview and he was talking about even going back to last week and we didn't get to recap much of the shrine game um but last week there was a lot of there's a lot of defensive line like defensive front talent last week too Mm -hmm. uh in the shrine game and that that this is going to be i mean and then i look at the south you were talking about the south roster right Mm -hmm. and you're looking at look at the way that um that what's his name from alabama was it terrell lewis look at the way he measured uh look at daryl taylor and dj wanham uh jonathan grenard 
uh, Javon Kinlaw, the way, and Raquan Davis. These are all guys guys on the South, I believe. Um, these, this this defensive front and Marlon Davidson, you you brought him up, and your guy Jamari Azuniga. Uh, yeah. But Marlon Davidson is, is I, I brought him up on on Twitter actually. I did a big thread about him, so you can probably find it at CK Parrot uh, from earlier today. He's a big three hundred pound dude with very long arms, and he plays outside linebacker a lot for Auburn and does a good job of it <laughs> and and the nfl is also trending a little bit toward that like your outside guys I and mean, look at the way look at zadarius smith how big he is yeah and he's playing like sort of an outside linebacker well not sort of he's playing outside linebacker for green bay and making a huge difference up there yeah and um, rushing from 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 everywhere really so. yeah rushing from everywhere and that's 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 where you need i think the dolphins need that guy they need the guy that can rush from everywhere and and Marlon Davidson can do that. And I think that it's, you know, it's not just everybody gets to, oh, what, will he be our five technique? Will he be our – I'm like, no. Because no. the Dolphins actually move their guys all over the place. So, you know, it's not right to just call him a five technique or something like that. I mean, think of think of the, the roles that Trey Flowers could play in the defense. And Marlon Davidson, I think maybe you'd have him shed a couple of pounds. He's right there. He's yeah. he's gonna be he's gonna be in that man that South, but that South squad not just the South squad but I mean just the whole defensive front, um, talent in this draft is is just mind blowing. Yeah, if you had to guess, and we can move off of him right now, is Javon Kinlaw? I think gonna play himself in the Senior Bowl and in the in the Combine. Is he gonna move himself way out of reach for, of our 18th pick? Think, oh, absolutely! I've always, I, I've always had him as a top ten easily. Um, yeah, all the mocks are showing heard, that that Miami has a shot at him, and I just don't see it. Yeah. The more I watch, no. In fact, there was a there was not long. I forget I forget who it was. Um, whether it might have been bobbing in. Uh, somebody does their polls of GMs, and they try and get the the votes on um, on who are the top like top 10 players and top top five players. Javon Kinlaw was getting a lot of votes. I mean, he was, he's top 10 all the way. Uh, I think, and I think that's been the case for a while. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be because he had a good senior bowl practice or not or anything like that. I think he's always been there. Um, so yeah, he's going to be, he's going to be real high. Another guy that looked really good, especially coming off the edge and working against uh offensive tackles Jabari Zuniga you know is as a guy that I always liked but one guy did stand out today and that's Zach Bond of uh Wisconsin now if they take another edge from Wisconsin you know I could just hear in Dolphins Twitter uh. <laughs> you know what I mean but this guy's different like this guy is an absolute he's absolutely a first round pick this year um, yeah absolutely can you see him at 25 and possibly even 18 because you know Guys that get sacks. Get yeah, one hundred percent. I can see him, and the reason up. the reason that I say that um, is because I think what people are missing about him is that he's fast. Yes, like he he's actually like okay. So there's the the model everybody thinks of these Wisconsin linebackers, and they're um, you know they're they're physical, they're strong, and and they play with good leverage, and that's why Miami Miami keeps um, getting 
getting collecting them, I guess, <laughs> because in their system, that's that's what they um, that's what they want. But what I think people are missing with him is that he is genuinely athletic, genuinely fast. Like he can run. He, the way he flips his hips around into his back pedal or gives chase, I mean, it's it's he does both. <laughs> you know, a, and he's not a finesse player. Like he'll rip no. a flipper on and off. No, that's and that's the thing. Like he's he's strong hands, physically aggressive, explosive forward qualities. He plays like a coiled spring, uh, and and so that's one thing, right? And and you see guys that are like that, but what you don't often see is the guy that's like that flip his hips and turn around and be be just great and backpedal and mm. and chase and situations and be good in coverage and and that that's what he is that's why he's a unique player he was what six to six two and a half and 240 pounds i think with with good arm very good arm length very good wingspan mm-hmm. um yeah he fits as an outside linebacker and i know that miami are going to give an extension or they're looking to give an extension to um to what's his name vince beagle and that's fine but i think there's room for more unless they go ahead and and in free agency they go ahead and sign kyle van noy which is i think they're gonna i i do think they're gonna give him a call and i think that they're gonna make a play for him and barry jackson today reported that uh he didn't have information but he wouldn't be surprised and when mm -hmm. somebody says they wouldn't be surprised is because they've had several people outside of the team tell them they're gonna go after him right exactly so you, it's, it's yeah, Devin McCourty too. I, I mean, we've we've brought his name up several times as as yeah, somebody. It's entirely possible they start moving all those good Patriots, which is good. You know, they're moving the good Patriots over here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? what? So I mean, the conundrum, and I've described this before on the po- on podcast. The conundrum is they have all this money to to spend, right? But these yes. guys are in their hearts, philosophically, they are not highest bidder types on the free agent market. They're not. They're not going to get into bidding. They're not going to get into and win bidding wars. They're not comfortable doing that. They especially for players they don't know, right? Mm-hmm. They're just not comfortable doing that. So, so like people are like, oh, they're going to go out and sign Jack Conklin. Well, maybe I don't know. I can't. I can't predict the future, but I don't think so because I don't think they're going to get in a bidding war and pay a huge ass contract for somebody that generally I don't think they're going to do that for somebody they don't know, right. and so they're faced with this real conundrum this catch point they're like yeah, well Jack, we want to yeah. spend this money but Absolutely. we don't want to do what it takes to spend the money so uh so the the meat in the middle the the way that they get around all of that is by grabbing guys that they do know that they feel like they can trust and the guys that they do know the guys that they feel like they can trust are the former patriots they're the devin mccourty's they're uh kyle van noy uh, you know, maybe Joe Tooney, uh, maybe they'll give him a, call, a phone call. Although I will say he's very marketable to a lot of different teams. So he's yes. probably going to have quite a few suitors and that could get into a fast bidding war and Miami may not be interested. I mean, do you really want your, in a year when you have a ton of money, like, do you want your number one free agent contract to be a left guard when you still don't have a left tackle, your right tackle <laughs> is average at best. And yeah. You also need a center and a right guard. I mean, is that, and you need a quarter, you know, all these things like that's really like, that's yeah. your, your big, your big ideas is a, is a marquee left guard signing. Um, so I, that's, that's why I have my doubts about Tooney, but uh, yeah, it's, I think that they're going to go for the former Patriots. I think that, you know what? 
the coding staff we've just seen get filled out and it was totally who do you know who do you trust i think free agency is going to be who do you know who do you trust absolutely i think it's going to be all go ahead and start picking out guys with connections and stuff like that because that's what it's going to be i think i mentioned earlier on twitter you know brandon shell uh from the new york jets uh brent cuvale uh, Dakota Dozier, guys that played under Steve Marshall, the new offensive line coach, uh, and Chan Gailey back when they were in New York. You know, mm. keep an eye because that's we're probably going to sign one, maybe two of them. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that that's the way this this free agency is going to go. You know what the scariest part is? Yeah. Can you can you guess who um, who uh, Steve Marshall's marquee player was on the offensive line last year when he was coaching the Memphis Express in the in the AAF. Oh boy, I I, I think I can guess. <laughs> Go ahead, give me your best guess. <laughs> okay, Billy Turner's buddy, <laughs> Dallas Thomas. Uh, yes, it was <laughs> Dallas Thomas, his his star pupil in the, for the Memphis Express last year and the now defunct AAF <laughs> yeah. was Dallas Thomas and that was under if they signed da- Dallas Thomas just because like Steve Marshall coached him <laughs> last year I I'm fucking done with this coaching staff seriously all right, all right we we moved on uh, we moved on to free agency all of a sudden and that's coming yeah. up you know we're, we're only if you really think about it we're a month away really a month away from seriously talking free agency but back to the senior bowl and we can finish up right here with the offensive line uh josh jones god i like this guy but you had another one that you brought up today lloyd cushionberry as a center prospect oh yeah yeah he's i mean good god did you see the way he was built (laughs) yes Uh, i mean the 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 wingspan on him and just the total thick build i it's rare on a center and when you get guys that can play the center position with, you know, that sort of, that sort of size, that sort of wingspan, um, they generally come on. I mean, it, it, it tends to be a, a sure bet. Yes. And I think that that's what I take from it. Is yeah. That, let me ask you this, Chris, uh, a team that likes to run lead ISO, which this team will love to mm-hmm. run lead, lead ISO, uh, you know, centers have to, hit the three technique and try to reach to get the scrape linebacker. Mm-hmm. It kind of helps if you have a really long wingspan, you know, what it I mean? does, it to does get your hands on that linebacker. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, Lloyd Cushenberry because of that wingspan and, but this is one reason that I've talked about before in the past that maybe um, our pal, Michael Dieter should move to center because he's a lengthy guy. Yes. Uh, he's, he's a tall guy. Um, he's got a long body and I think that that could be an asset moving over to the center position. We'll see. Yeah. And and one thing we can say about, uh, as, as far as, uh, you know, a type that they have, we watched that offensive line play last year and I saw them Mm -hmm. in person. Uh, they don't like fat guys. They like athletes on the offensive line. Like all those guys are, they're not fat guys. Well, at least they did last year under the different coaches. I mean, who knows now? Yeah. Right. right? All new staff. Yeah, last year they like they like lean, uh, strong, lengthy guys. Uh, Deguglielmo we'll had a type. I yes. I really feel like Deguglielmo had a type, mm-hmm. um, and it was, and they they filled that like you see you saw like even in the AAF signing that they made Jared Jones Smith, and 
uh, Isaiah Prince, um, those right tackle dudes. Yes. Big wingspan guys, mm-hmm. big wingspan guys. So, um, and not fat guys, like not fat, but like big wingspan massive. So you're looking at like Alex Taylor or something like that, who is, I've never even seen a wingspan that big. I've honestly, I, I cannot. In the NBA, it's, maybe. It was, it, well, in the NBA only, uh, but it was 88 inches. That's, that's Oof. ludicrous. <laughs> I have never seen that in the NFL ever. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, they're going to go. I think if they do go for some right tackle in the draft, they're going to be looking at guys with, I mean, Matt Pert is another one. Um, but there's so much, this is unique. This is a unique class for, for right tackles, which is interesting in that we're going to get possibly, hopefully going to get a quarterback who is left-handed and everybody's saying, you know, your right tackle needs to be his blindside protector. This is a unique class for right tackles. Uh, you don't usually see this because you've got guys like um, Jedrick Wills and Mackay Becton could stay at left tackle, but he could also easily play right tackle. He's played it before. He's very good at right tackle. Um, you've got Matt Pert from UConn, mm-hmm. uh, Alex Taylor, who I, I just mentioned. Uh, I know I'm forgetting like a bunch of guys here, but that could all – play the right tackle position you usually don't have a lot of those guys that have already played right tackle uh at college coming into the nfl and and the draft as really good prospects they're always at left tackle but you oh and tristan Wirfs, of course how could i forget him but you have this unique thing where like tristan he's a good example because the guy uh, he's not playing left tackle and yet the guy on the other side of him who is playing left tackle is not the better lineman. Like it's, it's not Tristan Wirfs is, is playing right tackle. Whereas this other guy is playing left tackle because the other guy's better. Mm-hmm. It's just no Tristan Wirfs is better, but he's just our right tackle. And right. that's the case in Alabama too, with, um, with Jedrick Wills. So it's, it's unique. There's a lot of them. And that's another reason I don't see Jack Conklin coming in and free agency is because, you know, if you're going to replace Jesse Davis, a right tackle, this is a gifted right tackle class. Just do it there. Yeah. Now, let me ask you about one last guy, and then we can call it a podcast. Daniel Jeremiah was talking this guy up, and if I'm learning anything uh, watching this run up to the draft is that I got to watch more of the Big 12 next year because mm-hmm. I had never – I didn't know much about this guy. I knew he existed. I've never seen him play. And that's Terrence Steele of Texas Tech. He's 610 oh, pounds. And obviously I got to get some more big 12 tape and I got to start yeah. watching the big 12 to begin with. Cause Daniel Jeremiah was just gushing about him today. And all I know is that he's played right tackle, right guard, left guard and left tackle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that he had a pretty decent day, I guess is Daniel Jeremiah likes him. What do you know about him? What can you tell our listeners about him on the way out? Honestly, I can't tell you any more about him than you can. <laughs> really yeah i mean that's 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 a new one for me um you know coming from texas tech i mean, I, I never i never listen texas tech i have maybe it's my maybe it's my old patrick mahomes experience um chiming in here but not great linemen coming out of there oh really <laughs> usually um or at least i don't think. great middle linebackers though 
Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's get that guy in the Hall of Fame in a couple of God, weeks. Let's, right? let's hope so. <laughs> you know, that's going to be interesting. We're going we're gonna to have a, a whole series. By the way, I should, we should mention this. It's worth mentioning. Um, we're going to have a nice bit of coverage for the Super Bowl Absolutely. here on Five Reasons. Uh, and I'm credentialed for the Super Bowl. We're going to be covering it. Um, and we're going to have some stories out. And, you know, we've talked about, we talked about stuff that we're going to do stuff I'm batting around is, you know, Zach Thomas trying to get in the hall of fame. And, uh, and here we have a player that even though he doesn't play even close to the same position, who I compare a lot to Zach Thomas and the way that he seems to always make a defense better. And that's Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's something that's worth mentioning, worth exploring is these players who are just so high IQ and so, you know, with it communication wise that they seem to make a defense around them better. And those are the kinds of guys we want. That's, I know that's the kind of guys the dolphins want. Um, We got one playing and we got one playing in the super bowl. Yeah. And that's, that's worth mentioning. Yeah. And I also found that I found that Twitter beef between Richard Sherman and Darrell Rivas, the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's like two rich men, it's like two rich men, uh, com- you know, comparing the colors of their Ferraris. All right. Yeah, Both and you know what's what's odd unanimous? about that is I, I, First Battle Hall of Fame. I, I remember. Well, yeah, but what's odd about that is, uh, like, Darrell Reeves sort of came out of nowhere, just trashing Richard Sherman about this, and it's like, you know, I saw Richard Sherman. I, I saw him do like a thing, and it was it was a very interesting piece that I think he wrote or maybe it was an interview or something um, where he described the different types of coverage mm-hmm. and he had super glowing words about Darrell Rivas uh, in this, um, in this piece that he wrote a long time ago and talking about like soft shoe press and stuff like that. And, and he was like, Darrell Rivas is really the best, best there is at this. I mean, he's soft shoe press, man. That's, that's his game. And, and he's he's fantastic at it. He's like the best I've ever seen, or something like yeah, that. And so yeah, yeah. I have Twitter some nice words about him. Yeah, I have Twitter followers that that came onto my timeline to tell me that Richard Sherman had said something about Darrell Rivas a while back. Oh really? Had clowned him in a game, and that this was like I guess this one was saved in the drafts for for many many years. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> you know. So yeah, he came uh, out with it. Yeah, so I, I got to do a little bit more investigating on that, but I just find that I find the Twitter beef absolutely ridiculous because these two guys, like, they're the best of their generation, in my opinion. What horrible timing, though! Like, <laughs> right? So, so you saved it in drafts and, until he won the NFC the NFC Championship and is going to the Super Bowl. Yes, and that's when you come out with it. <laughs> yeah, like, don't that. you want to clown him after he gets embarrassed and they lose or something like that? Yeah, like I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that. Like, uh, okay, he gave up, yeah, he gave up a bomb to Devontae Adams, okay? Right, he did. Uh, while he was up 4,000 points in the NFC. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, so it doesn't really matter, you know? And, yeah, both guys are well accomplished. You know, both guys have a Super Bowl ring, you know? Richard Sherman's going for number two. Uh-huh. Both guys are unanimous Hall of Famers. Like, I don't get the beef at all. Uh, but I guess this is something that we're going to have to investigate further. And media day is just, you know, media day is just a week away. So True. I'm pretty sure that Richard Sherman's going to be asked a few things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. See if well, Darrell Rivas shows up. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my greatest Darrell Rivas 
memory is, of course, Ted Ginn absolutely roasting him right in his prime. Was this uh, was this the two thousand nine Monday Night game? Absolutely, one of my group, yeah. one of my favorite I, games of all. Time. I was there on the sidelines of that game. I was down on the field on the sidelines. It was one of my favorite games of all time. First of all, both teams were really good at that time. Dolphins ended up, I believe, seven and nine, so they blew it down the stretch. Yeah. Not really, but, really good, but <laughs> but at the time, at the time that they the played time. the game, they they were yeah. they were both playoff contenders, and everybody mm-hmm. thought that they were playoff right. contenders. This was the Rex Ryan rivalry back then. Absolutely, a great Rex Ryan defense, and mm-hmm. Chad Henney smokes them. <laughs> yep, Ted Ginn over top, and of course Ronnie Ricky Brown, Williams and Ronnie Brown, Brown ran for like yeah. a billion yards. Oh God, yeah, and at that time, that was like the strongest offensive line we can probably even remember in Miami. Absolutely. What a great um, offensive line that was for about five minutes. <laughs> yeah, except for about five minutes. That's right. Yeah, because then um, everybody everybody got injured, including the center, which his name escapes me. But we paid a uh, pile of money for from the Raiders. What was his name? Jake Grove? There it is. <laughs> there it is. Justin Smiley, Jake Grove. Jake Grove went to Virginia Tech. If I'm if I'm if I'm right, uh, I, I remember watching him in college. Was it Virginia Tech? <laughs> It could have been. Um, I, you know, I, I'd have to look that up. But Justin, where did Justin Smiley go? Wow, just because I remember Jake. I remember Justin Smiley. Yeah, Jake Rowe was Virginia Tech, but where where was Justin Smiley from? That's the one that I'm. Justin Smiley. Wow, off the top of my head, I knew who Jake Grove, where Jake Grove played college ball at. Oh, Justin Smiley was Alabama. The University of Alabama. I think we should we should have known things like that, right? Yeah, I, I man, I feel like I should have known that. Oh well. Well, that great. was a good offense. Dol- what a great seven and nine Dolphin team that was! Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, you cannot complain. This was a pretty good podcast. I had a great time talking Senior Bowl with Chris Kaufman here. Hopefully, we will have Simon Clancy next week, and we'll talk Super Bowl. Okay. And we'll probably, you know, recap the Senior Bowl and what we saw for the entire week also. But that's it. There is no more. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.